How many of you feel like that this morning? Now, there's a football you keep on trying to kick and you keep on missing it. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not a big, char, big enough Charlie, fan, uh, Charlie Brown fan enough to know if he ever did get to kick the football. Isn't that interesting? Is that how you feel today? You feel like that, that promise isn't for you? That there's, there's no way God's promises could be true for you? That there's been broken promises in your life and so you don't even trust that God will keep His promises? Is that you? Do you kind of feel like Charlie Brown this morning? You know, I, uh, I found out this morning that a person I, I, I've been praying for and, and working with for, for months now has relapsed and uh, is, is right now uh, in a house someplace just strung out on drugs. And uh, it just breaks my heart because I know the promise God, that God has for him. And he's not claiming those promises right now. Can I ask you again this morning? Have you given up on the promises of God? See, this morning, as we continue this sermon series through the Bible, we're in our 44th week. Not in a row. (laughs) You got to listen online, look online to see all of them. But this is our 44th one, and we're in the book of Galatians. And uh, if you don't hear anything else this morning about Galatians, I want you to hear this, uh, that, that Galatians, if it's about anything, it's about reclaiming the promises of God. Reclaiming the promises of God. And I wonder this morning if you need to reclaim them. I wonder if this morning you need to be encouraged to grab a hold of the promises of God. And we're going to look at the context here in one moment, but before that, I feel like we need to pray. Father, thank you, thank you that we can call you Abba Father because of the Spirit. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come down upon us this morning, that you would fill us, that that you would bring us closer to you, and Lord, that we would see that you are a promise keeper, and there are promises that you have yet to keep in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're in the book of Galatians, and we want to talk about context but before we get there, I want you to see the verses, verses that I think give us our context. So uh, chapter 1, verse 2 and verse 6, to the churches in Galatia. So we know it's, it's a bigger area and it's to more than one church. Then you go down to verse 6, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Someone say, oh my goodness. Now, what I want you to see is this, this is a book that was written by Paul. Right? Written by Paul. And it's what we call a letter or an epistle. Does this sound familiar to last week? And so Paul hand wrote it. 
And most likely, he dictated a large portion of it because at the end of the book, he says, look at what big letters I use at the end. It's kind of like, anybody heard of Red Robin, Robin Hood? Red Robin? Red whatever her name is? You know, Red Riding Hood. Uh, there we go. We got it. Man, it's one of those days. And so, what, look at the big eyes you have, Grandma. Better to see you with. So look at the big, that's as funny as I get, I'm th- especially when I blow it. Let's move on. It was written between 48 and 56 A.D. Now, here's a deal. We could spend the rest of the day talking about when it was written because there is not agreement in the church on this. And so some believe it was written earlier for various textual reasons. Some believe it's later. What I would say is it's just in that 10-year frame. The folks who put the Bible together thought it was later. That's why it's after 1 Corinthians. All right? Is that good enough or would you like me to bore you more? All right, say, don't bore us anymore, Pastor. All right, hey, watch it. All right, so where? Galatia. Galatia is not a city, it's a province, a Greek province or region, and so, uh, or a Roman province or region, uh, Galatia. So it's a whole big area, so this is written to a bunch of churches. So what Paul is talking about here isn't affecting one church like 1 Corinthians was, but it's affecting a whole bunch of churches. And why did he write it? I I want you to read it with me. The churches in Galatia were being challenged to reclaim the promise. Now, I read that real well by myself, so let's try again. The churches in Galatia were being challenged to reclaim the promise. See, what happened is legalism cropped back into these Galatia churches, and it wasn't just Jesus is the way to salvation. Jesus and was the way to salvation. Jesus plus this. And so, ladies... Uh, the big plus wouldn't have affected you much. But guys, how many guys do we have in the crowd today? Let's hear it for our guys. All right. So what they did was say it was Jesus and circumcision. Now you think coming up to the altar and praying or seeking the Holy Spirit is a big deal? What if we said this Sunday, this is a special Sunday, you have to come up, accept Jesus, and get circumcised. Chop! Yeah, that's a higher level. Can someone say amen? Amen. And so it was Jesus and. And so Paul is responding to them and saying, guys, what are you doing? It's just faith in Jesus. It's not faith and. And so he was writing to remind them of the promises of God that are not based on works, but are based on faith. So let's look at our hot spot here. Hot spot is Galatians chapter 3, verses 15 through 22. Oh man, you know one of the best sounds for a pastor to hear is the flipping of pages in the Bible. I tell you, it just sounds good. So if you have them, open them with me. Brothers and sisters, how many of you are affected by that statement? Are you a brother or sister? All right. Brothers and sisters, let me take an example from everyday life, just as 
No one can set aside or add to a human covenant. This is a really important word, so let's all say it just to cement it in our minds. Covenant. That has been duly established, so it is in this case. The promises, there's that word. We need to reclaim the promises of God. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. What I mean is this, the law introduced 430 years later does not set aside the covenant. There's another really important word. Somebody say covenant for me, just to get it in, seated in our minds, established by God, and thus do away with the promise. For if the inheritance, there's a third key word here, inheritance. All right, I didn't even have to tell you that time. You guys are getting it. Depends on the law, then it no longer depends on the promise. But God in His grace gave it to Abraham through a promise. Why then was the law given at all? It was added because of the transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. The law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator. A mediator, however, implies more than one party, but God is one. Is the law therefore opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But Scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin so that what was promised, are you going to, somebody say promised, being given through the faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe or have faith, that it's faith-based, not legal-based. So there are some really important words here, covenant, Law and inheritance. What is a covenant? Well, when we talk about covenant, a basic definition is an agreement between two parties. But this morning, we want to go into what a biblical covenant is. So read it with me. Binding promise between God and His people. But it's unique because God doesn't give you a say-so in it. It is a one-sided covenant. God says... Here is the promise, you either accept it or reject it. And see, our problem, folks, is that we have a tendency to break it. But God never breaks His promises. Can I get an amen on that? He doesn't break His covenant. That's not just Rob's word, it's God's word. I said, I, read it with me, I said, I will never break my covenant with you. That is our God. But see, we break the covenant. God is a promise keeper. We are promise breakers. And it began in the garden with Adam and Eve. God made them a promise. You you can live here in paradise forever. The only thing you can't do is eat of this tree. And they broke covenant with God. God did not break covenant with them. And because we have a God who is a promise keeper, he doesn't have to reclaim the promises. You have to reclaim the promises. And I have to reclaim the promises because God is a God who keeps his promise. His first promise to us, his ultimate promise is Jesus. Oh, come on now. We're getting ready to celebrate that. We're getting ready to celebrate Advent when we celebrate the coming of the Christ. 
and the coming again of Jesus Christ. Look at 3.16 again. Galatians 3.16. By the way, easy way to remember. Whenever you think the promises aren't for you, that you can't reclaim the promises, think of Galatians 3.16. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say and to seeds, meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one person who is... Jesus Christ! Jesus is the ultimate promise to us, but He didn't stop there. He also promised us the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I don't have to do it on my own. Holy Spirit, it's not by my works, it's by His work that it's all going to happen. Just just look up there at verse 14 in Galatians 3. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles, that's us, through Christ Jesus, that's Him, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Is that a good word? If we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have the Spirit. You are not alone. God is a promise keeper. The Spirit counsels and guides and convicts and empowers us. Look at chapter 4, verse 6. Because you are His sons. You are His daughters. Raise your hand. God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. The Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. God keeps His promises. If you pop over to chapter 4, verse 29, at that time, the Son born according to the flesh persecuted the Son born by the power of the Spirit. It is the same now. The Spirit wasn't a promise just for then. It is a promise for... What? One more. Verse 25 of chapter 5. Since we live by the... We don't live by the law. We live by the Spirit. Let us keep in step with the... The Spirit has been promised to us. Has He been received in your life? Do you need to reclaim the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life this morning? God is a promise keeper. He will let you do that. He has promised us eternal life. Oh, that's all I get for it? He has promised us eternal life. God promised that to Adam and Eve. They broke covenant, but God keeps His promises anyway. He just had another plan for us promise breakers. This is a great scripture, 1 John 2.25, and this is a promise which He Himself made to us. Eternal life in Galatians chapter 6, verse 8. It says, whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life it's a promise you can depend upon it Ooh, i see one more you you are a person of promise Maybe you feel like Charlie Brown today and you don't feel like a person of promise. 
But if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and the Holy Spirit is in you, the you are a person of promise. That is not just my words. That's the words of Scripture. Look at chapter 3, verse 29. If you... Raise your hand if you're a you. Not E-W-E. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. I am a person of promise. It doesn't matter what anybody says. I am a person of promise. I know some of you got together at Thanksgiving with some people that, that are bummers in your life. And they remind you of the promise that you have not kept. But see, you're with your spiritual family today and we're saying you, have, you are a person of promise this morning. Reclaim it! Reclaim it! Let's try again. Now you, brothers and sisters like Isaac, are children of promise. I am a child of promise. I've never thought of that before. I am a child of promise. There, there is so much potentiality in me and in you because the Holy Spirit is in us. Will you reclaim the promise this morning? If you got the outline, you're one of the blessed, the, the chosen few. <laughs> On the back of it, are 31 promises for December. Now some of you are going to want it. 31 promises for December. I did not sit down and come up with all these. I found them on a website called 365.com. 365 promises. So if you don't have an outline and don't like paper, you can go online each day. They give you a different promise. And I think one of the ways we claim promise is to read promise into our lives. And even when somebody starts prophesying promise into our lives, it makes a significant difference. And so you might just want to check some of these out because they are good. As a shepherd comes, a lamb, I have carried you. Close to my heart. For your parents, somebody needs to hear this in this service. For your parents reject you, I will take you in. God is a God of promise. So why do we lose the promise? Why, why do we need to reclaim it? What happened to Galatia? Well, they, uh, they started focusing in on the law. Well, it, we, we need more than just belief. There's got to be more. And see, they forgot. Somebody say they forgot. They forgot that the law was not given to save them. The law was to point them to Jesus. Now, you didn't hear me. The law was not given to save you it was meant to point you to Jesus. Hallelujah. See, when we get focused on the law, Jesus and, we start getting in trouble because we start basing everything on our production. Let me give you an example. Uh, I, I went to Muskingum University for track. 
And uh, I was a long jumper. One of the, I know it's hard to believe, but I was. Now I'd be more of a long bouncer. Uh, but I was a long jumper, and I was anticipating a really good season, and something went wrong, and I kept on fouling. Actually, that season fouled 27 jumps in a row. When I say I kept fouling, I mean, I was just, I was, so what I did in my mind, I said, what I need to do is read scripture before I jump, right? If I read scripture, then God will let me have a good long jump. So I wrote the scriptures, and I read them. And I fouled. If I put more scriptures on my arms. Didn't work. I am telling you, if tattooing was a thing at my college, I would have tattooed those scriptures right on my arm because I was playing the if-then with God and trying to claim God's promises in my life based on what I wanted and what I did. And see, what I discovered was God didn't want me to focus my life on track. He wanted me to focus my life on Him. And that meant giving up track, not succeeding at it. See, when we play that if-then game, and some of you are doing that today, you keep on saying, well, if I do this, then God, you got to do that. That is not how covenant works with God. God has already said, I will do this if you put your whole dependence upon me. For how many of you is that a problem? Because it's easier for me to put a bunch of steps together. It's easier. See, you can see circumcision. Is somebody with me? It's harder to see faith. And yet, that's what God calls us to. To reestablish our faith in His promises. And then the third word comes into play. Somebody say inheritance. inheritance. What is inheritance? Now some of you are going, now inheritance, isn't that when family dies and they give the next family members? Uh, yeah, they don't do that in my family. That's, they do in God's family. He has an inheritance for you. He wants. That's what the scripture is saying. Let, 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 let's look at that again in verse 18. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on the promise. But God in his grace gave it to Abraham through a promise. He has an inheritance for you. He wants to fulfill his promises in your life. Will you reclaim the promise and give up on the law this morning? There's a great old hymn of the faith. It's called Standing on the Promises of God. Now, we're not going to sing it this morning. 
Sorry. I guess we could do it a cappella. Uh, the refrain goes like this, standing, standing, standing on the promises of God my Savior, standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. I want to, you to listen to two verses. Perfect present cleansing, present cleansing and the blood for me. Standing in the liberty where Christ makes free. Standing on the promises of God, standing on the promises of Christ the Lord, bound to him eternally by love's strong cord, overcoming daily with a spirit sword. Standing on the promises of God, standing on the promises I cannot fall, listening every moment to the Spirit's call resting in my Savior as my all in all. Everybody say all in all. all. Standing on the presence, promises of God. Who wrote that? A guy named Russell Carter. In 1866, Russell Carter wrote this song, And although he was a Christian most of his life, it wasn't until Carter experienced a deadly condition with his heart that he began to understand the power of the Bible's promises. At age 30, his health was in crisis and the physicians could not help him anymore. Carter asked God for help. He knelt and made a fresh pledge of his love for God, no matter what happened. Did you hear that? No matter what happened. It wasn't if then. I believe in your promises, God, no matter what. From that moment on, Carter began to hold on to the Bible's promises, determined to believe no matter what his physical condition, no matter how he felt. Over the next months, his strength returned and his heart was completely cured. Carter lived another 49 years. The hymn Carter had written years before his miracle became more than words of music to him. Standing on the promises became an integral part of his life. And it should become an integral part of our lives if we really want to reclaim the promises of Jesus Christ. So let me ask you this morning, will you stand on the promises? Some of you just need to stand and say, I'm standing on the promises. I'm not, I'm not going to choose legalism. I'm not going to do any of that. I'm just going to stand. I, I don't think you heard me. I, some of you have, have, need to just say, I'm going to stand on the promises this morning. There you go. I'm just going to, it doesn't matter what happens or who says what, I'm going to stand on the promises. I'm going to stand on them because God is a promise keeper. Some of you have had a lot of broken promises in your life. And you are broken today. And it's hard for you to stand. It's hard for you to be here. And I would just ask my, our prayer team to come up. And, and why don't you, if you just need someone to pray with you, that, that you would be able to reclaim the promise of Jesus Christ in your life, come up and let them pray with you. And some of you, you you need to stand 
even further on the promises and just come up to the river. That's what we call this, a river of grace. You need to just come up here and and say, I am a person of promise. If you need the Holy Spirit to minister to you in that and prophesy a word to you today that you are a person of promise, you are not a person of failure, you're not a person that is rejected, you are a person of promise. And you want to claim that this morning. Just come up as we worship him. Will you join me in worshiping?